and welcome to Studying the Steps, where we take a deeper dive into the 12 steps. In each episode, an alcoholic woman in recovery helps us study individual steps as outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Through her personal experience and knowledge of working the program, she gives insight on how to apply and practice the spiritual principles being studied. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at MagdalenHouse.org. Please note, the curriculum we teach through our programs at Maggie's is from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. However, we are not an Alcoholics Anonymous group, and we are not associated with AA. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. I am an alcoholic. My name is Chloe. My sobriety date is July 7th, 1992. My home group is the Hang Together or Die Separately group down here in Bishop Arts. Um, It's an AA group. It meets on Tuesday and Thursday nights in somebody's backyard. It's a COVID group. So um, it really, it started out of this idea that, you know, people are dying of this disease and, you know, while we are in these unprecedented times with, you know, this pandemic and everything, there's a lot of alcoholics that still need to connect. And so um, if anybody does want to know more about being able to meet in person safely, I'm happy to talk to you about it later. But we are, you know, also so um, lucky to have Zoom today because, you know, I can't imagine trying to start this journey without, you know, this ability to still connect with each other and, Um, You know, I've been able to do sponsorship over Zoom and third step prayers and, you know, it's pretty remarkable. You know, and I I was thinking the other day when I, when I was a few years sober, I got this opportunity to travel all over the world and I moved to Istanbul, Turkey for a while and got to be part of AA there and English speaking meetings. And we would have people fly in from smaller villages, um, either around the country or like from you know, Austria or, you know, some of the close by countries where there just wasn't a lot of English speaking AA. And so they were sort of what we would call loners in um, Alcoholics Anonymous. And this was before, before Zoom and before these um, easy ways that we have to connect now. But it was this really cool thing getting to watch people who were having to use Alcoholics Anonymous in a way that I hadn't used it before through letters and phone calls Um, And it just really went to show me, first of all, that this isn't about the meetings. I mean, the meetings are so great and this connection is so great and so important. It's not about the physical things. You know, I think that, you know, to to leave that for a second, I want to jump to another thing and they will connect, I promise. But I had this, um, this sort of spiritual mentor my first handful of years in AA who, the first time I heard him, and I've probably told this story in here before, just because it was really, it was profound for me. But I went and I heard him speak in Massachusetts and he was talking about, I think it's actually, I think I talked about this last time about how um, meetings are not the solution. Um, a perfect fourth step, any fourth step is not the solution. Amends are not the solution. Your sponsor, the big book is not the solution. The steps are not the solution. And I'm sitting there like just mind blown because you know, I was just, I was such a fundamentalist. I would put my book on the shelf and take it down in the fifth step. I would write in black and white. I just, I thought that if I did things perfectly, if I did them by the law, then it would keep me sober. And I had really lost focus on 
what the point of this was. I thought the point was to do the steps right. And I'm, I am still a fundamentalist, so I don't want to, you know, pretend that I don't think that's important. But I, the point is, is that through doing things in this way that the first 100 outlined in the book, they get me to God. And God is what's going to keep me sober. The four steps not going to keep me sober, but those are all tools along the way that will clear enough enough of myself, which is blocking me from having a relationship with the one thing that is going to keep me sober. You know, and I and I know that I talked last time about how you know in step one we learned that lack of power is my dilemma, and so I've done these steps up until this point. Today we're talking about step eleven, and I've done these steps with the purpose of accessing this power because I don't ever want to have to live that way again. Right. Like that's, that's why we do this. And so, um, you know, we, at, by the time we get to step 11, we've done a lot of hard work. We've done a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of self-knowledge involved. There is, there's a lot of like reflection and introspection, but really the whole, that, that as we've learned earlier on self-knowledge isn't enough you know, me navel gazing and learning the innermost workings of my mind and my fears and all of those things, they're not going to keep me sober. They're sometimes really helpful and useful information, but that's never been enough. Philosophical and moral convictions galore have never been enough. Um, me, you know, pulling myself up by my, by my bootstraps, me, you know, swearing on a Bible to, you know, everybody that would listen, that I'm going to do things differently, that I'm going to be a better daughter, a better sister. None of those things were ever enough. My willpower has never been enough for me to stay sober, but also to be a better person or to find happiness or to be a useful member of society. I, me on my own can't ever do that. And so, you know, we've written an inventory, we've shared it with somebody, you know, we are making amends, we're cleaning up the past you know, and last time we all met here, you know, we talked about step 10, which, you know, we're doing as we are, um, you know, as we're moving forward. And step 11 is the same way, you know, step 11 really is a daily discipline. And this book outlines it really well. It, it, you know, he makes it clear in the very beginning that, you know, it would be easy to be vague about this, but instead we're going to really you know, lay out some helpful suggestions. And, you know, again, to jump back to the Istanbul thing, those women, you know, or those people that were in the Peace Corps and in these other organizations and living in, you know, faraway places, you know, and even back when they wrote this book, they didn't have meetings everywhere, you know, like you were getting a book in the mail, right? Like, and they're saying, good luck, man, you know, it's like, just read this book, do these things, and we hope it works for you. Because, you know, they knew then that this wasn't about the fellowship, which, you know, again, I'm not knocking the fellowship, I adore it. And I don't know, you know, that I would be where I am today without it. But all of these things are just to get us into a relationship with God, which is, you know, and your own concept, this, you know, I'm not coming from a place of knowing what's right for you. Um, it took me a long time to find something that worked for me. But I know that that is the solution to all of my problems. You know, if you know anything about the history of AA, um, then I'm probably going to say this really wrong because, you know, facts for me are more like a story, you know, it's like you can just, you know, interpret them as you want. I'm mostly kidding there, but the, I love this old story about, um, about where AA came from. There was this guy named Frank Buchman, and he was the man who um, would later um, create the Oxford groups and the Oxford movement. And, you know, he was this Christian 
who I believe was working um, with in the Boys and Girls Club here in America. And, you know, he was, he was working with a very poor community of young men and the board of directors had cut the funding of this program and he was so furious. He was just, you know, heartbroken for these guys. He was taking it personally. He was full of resentment. And Frank Buchman's thing, like he just, he was all about spreading the word of God. He was, you know, like that, that's what filled him up was being able to talk about God, helping people find God, helping people, you know, find that connection. He was all about ministering. And he got this huge resentment against the board of directors and he ended up going to England and he was just, you know, trying to, you know, change his circumstances, get a new um, outlook. And he just, he found he couldn't, he couldn't minister. He couldn't connect with people. He couldn't feel the love of God and he couldn't pass it on. And um, while he was in England, he was in Oxford, England, he, um, went to this church and there was a woman ministering <clears throat> and when she was standing there and she was ta- she was talking about resentment and she was ta- talking about how resentment blocks us from the sunlight of the spirit and in that moment he understood that the reason he couldn't feel God's love was because he was blocked he was full of um, anger and he had this grudge that he was holding so he went back to the room that he was renting um, again, some of these details may be a little bit embellished, I'm not, but the, the point, the, the bigger story is true. Um, and he wrote these amends letters, these basically these letters of forgiveness to the board of directors, to each person saying, you know, like taking ownership for his actions and forgiving them. And he sent them off and he was free. And he was able, again, to stand in the sunlight of the spirit, to feel God's love. And from that, he created... Um, you know, the Oxford movement, which, you know, without that Alcoholics Anonymous wouldn't be here. And from their six steps, we have our 12 steps. And, um, you know, it's, you know, what he learned with that resentment is, you know, what we're doing here today. And so it's really, you know, I try to remember that, you know, I, um, I did talk in here last time about how, like, I, I am, I've never been without God. This isn't about me finding God. God has been just in, just as fully within me today as he was when I was at the height of my drinking, as he was when I was a child. The difference is there are days and times where I am so full of myself that I cannot access this. And so step 10 and step 11 are all about keeping that channel open, keeping that, you know, my side of the street cleaned off, trying to keep, um, you know, my fears and resentments um, taken care of on a daily basis so that, you know, so that I always am standing in that sunlight of the spirit. So again, that's kind of the, the, the background behind this step. The early days of AA were a lot more about prayer and meditation than we hear about today. Um, and so, you know, we've, in a lot of ways, I think we get afraid that um, talking about God or a higher power or spiritual things is going to scare people off. Um, I think that we get, I, I get, you know, kind of delicate tiptoeing around, um, or I have at times where I'm afraid that it's, you know, that it's going to be unpalatable. I know, I mean, I definitely came into AA um, with a lot of old ideas about religion, about God. And so if I had sat in a meeting and people were talking about religion or talking about a certain kind of God or quoting scripture, 
it, I definitely would have had judgment and I don't know that I would have stayed, but you know, we, we, the, what, what we talk about here is a much broader spirit of the universe, a higher power. And a lot of people do have religious attachments to that. And that's great. It's, this is all about finding what works for you. But I personally am so grateful that this has never, that in AA, we keep it non-denominational. We keep it about a higher power. But that being said, we don't shy away from talking about that. You know, we don't shy away from talking about that that is the solution um, because it's not about, it's not about willpower. You know, you know, I knew even when I was drinking that my willpower wasn't enough. So what we have to talk about here is a message with depth and weight. And for me, that has always been accessing a power that can solve my problems um, because I've known since I was a kid that I needed something bigger. You know, I was a seeker from the time I was little. Um, as a teenager, I moved out into the woods in a tent with my friend and a book on witchcraft. And we were going to become Wiccans and we were going to, um, you know, stop shaving our legs and embrace our feminine power. And, you know, at, really all I wanted was to be able to make certain boys love me and make other girls, you know, fall downstairs or have their hair fall out or be less attractive. Like really, I wanted to access a power that was just going to create the world that I thought that I wanted. Um, needless to say, you know, <laughs> that was short lived and nothing happened out of it. But I talk about that really just to, you know, like I was seeking something from the time I can remember. And you know, it also looked like, you know, adrenaline. Adrenaline always changed the way I felt. It raised my consciousness. It made me feel alive. It made me feel like there was something bigger. Um, you know, boys for sure did that. Alcohol for sure did that. I was always looking for something that would solve my problem. My problem being how I felt inside, you know, and I just needed something to fix that. And, you know, coming into AA, that message of depth and weight was, you know, there is a solution to what you're suffering from. There is a solution to your alcoholism, um, you know, but alcohol is only a symptom. You know, there is a solution to that restless, irritable discontentedness that you feel all the time. Um, and so like, that's what held me. That's, that's what kept me um, eventually once I was convinced that I couldn't do it through boys and adrenaline and all the other things, you know, that's, that's what kept me engaged and willing to seek something else, you know, and also from seeing other people get better, you know, seeing other people, you know, talking about God and seeing their lives change. And I think that that was important. And that is one of the reasons that I think that we don't want to not be willing to talk about um, what the actual solution is here, because it's not about writing a por perfect fourth step. Um, you know, I mean, that helps, it, you know, but you know, that, that's not, that's not the end. That's just, that's just getting rid of the things that are blocking me from the solution. So let's get into the book here. We're going to start on 85. Um, it's at the very, very bottom. And I want to read the last paragraph in, um, step 10, which starts with much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense, but we must go further and that means more action. And so, you know, this is really setting us up. We have done so much. We have started accessing this. We have, you know, begun to feel this change, but it's a beginning. And it's not going to last if we don't keep moving. And so step 10 was all about like, what are we doing today? 
as these things crop up, continue to watch, you know, we, like, but step 11 is going to give us more structure to it. Um, and it's going to give us a morning and an evening practice. And it's going to tell us how um, to keep that connection, you know, in between. So step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. And that's a big promise there. It works. It tells me this works. But there's something I have to do. I have to keep a proper attitude and I have to work at it. So there's a contingency there. This, you know, God's going to do for me what I can't do for myself, but God's not going to do for me what I can do for myself. And there are things that I have to do. I don't get to just climb up on a hilltop and be like, okay, God, make my life perfect. There are things that I have to do and there's footwork that I have to do. You know, there's that old, uh, you know, story we like to tell in AA and maybe in other rooms too, I'm not sure, but about you know, a guy sitting on a roof in a flood, he's on the roof of his house and the waters are rising and, you know, they're coming up and he's like seeing his life flash before his eyes and he realizes that there's no way out and he's crying out to God, okay, God, please help me, help me, get me out of this. And so, you know, this boat comes by and there's a woman there and she says, jump in, jump in, I can help you. And he said, nope, I got this, I prayed, I'm okay, God's, God's got me. And so she sails away and you know, he's like, the waters are coming up, you know, even higher and he's getting really scared and he's saying, God, come on, I need help, save me. And so a helicopter comes by and a guy shouts out, man, grab the, grab the ladder. And he says, nope, I've got this, I'm fine. And so the helicopter flies away and the waters rise and he's swept away and he dies and he goes to heaven and, you know, when he faces God, he says, God, why didn't you help me? I, you know, I called out for you. I was desperate. I really needed you. And God says, I sent a boat and a helicopter. What more did you need? You know, and I think like, that's what this is about. You know, it's like, this is about, we ask, you know, we, we ask God to be there, but then there are things that we need to do along the way. You know, um, you know, I, there's still a lot of work to be done. So, you know, let's, let's keep learning about that. So when we retire at night, so, you know, there's always a lot of talk about, you know, that this starts at in the night time rather than in the morning and why is that and you know what I've heard said is that you know it's like we can't really start our morning with a whole bunch of baggage from yesterday so it's really about starting tomorrow by cleaning up yesterday or today you know starting tomorrow by cleaning up today so we're going to start at night so this is where we begin when we retire at night we constructively review our day were we resentful selfish dishonest or afraid Yes, almost every single day. And, you know, one thing that I always caution people not to do is to compare the resentfulness, selfishness, dishonesty, and fear to our four-step inventory. Because you, when we're looking at that, we're like, I'm looking for rage. I'm looking for like, you know, paralyzing fear. I'm, you know, when I'm doing four-column inventory, th these are usually bigger. But when I'm doing nightly review, these are like the little petty, annoying things that have happened throughout the day. You know, this is about that snarky tone in my mom's voice on the phone that just rubbed me the wrong way. It's about, um, you know, the traffic. It's about, you know, the boyfriend not calling me back. And, you know, now I'm in fear about it. What it's these, the little tiny things. Um, if I'm sitting down to review and I'm asking God to show me and those little, uh, they seem so dumb, but this is where they go. You know, I almost never 
don't have something underneath every one of those categories. Again, they're stupid, they're embarrassing. Like I don't wanna write them down because I just look so petty. But these are the little things that block me off from God. And if something is on there day after day, then I take it into four column inventory. Um, that's just what I do, you know, and, and I should have started with this. If your sponsor doesn't do it this way with you, ignore me, you know, do what your sponsor does. This is just what I do. So your sponsor's not wrong. You know, I'm not trying to replace her. This is just me sharing my experience with this and what I do. So again, I almost always have something underneath every one of those things. And if it keeps coming back, if I'm still irritated about, you know, a Facebook post that my ex-husband put up a few days ago, and it's still eating my lunch a couple of days later, I need to do some more work on it. I need to get down to the causes and conditions. Um, and so that's, that's when I take it into four column inventory. Okay, so resentful, selfish, dishonest, afraid, each one of those gets its own little line for me. Um, this is something that I do, that, that I either write out or I'll, you know, some people use an app, whatever works for you. Um, but this is something that I do, you know, in real life. So do we owe an apology? That's a good question. You know, sometimes I say, I don't know, you know, and it's something that I have to sit with for a couple of days. Have we kept something to ourselves, which should be discussed with another person at once? You know, sometimes it's, you know, yeah, I need to tell my sponsor about this. Or, you know, I, you know, I have a group of women that I'm spiritually accountable to. Am I being transparent with them? Or am I trying to, um, you know, enjoy a certain reputation that I know that I don't deserve. You know, this is about being right-sized and being truthful about who I am and how I'm showing up. You know, this isn't about me trying to, you know, be more recovered than I really am. Were we kind and loving toward all? For a long time, I would, I would write that out as, you know, like, were my actions kind and loving toward all? Did I let somebody cut in front of me in traffic? Did I tell somebody she looked pretty, you know, like what, you know, like were my actions kind and loving today? I, you know, like I'm pretty good at, you know, pretending that I'm kind and loving and doing and saying the right thing and making you think that, that I've got this together, you know, full, like full honesty. My ex-husband posted a picture of himself and his new girlfriend yesterday. Um, and I got so many screenshots texted to me with people, you know, saying just what I wanted to hear about this new girlfriend <laughs> and none of them were nice. And I responded in a way that was not spiritual. I was not kind and loving in thought or in action. So when I wrote my nightly inventory last night, I mean, I, I knew in the moment I could have 10 stepped that instead, you know, I stepped into it. I enjoyed being catty and petty and mean. And so last night when I um, did my nightly review, I had to write about that. Um, was I kind and loving? Absolutely not. You know, that's not how I want to show up. And that's not how God wants me to show up for the father of my kids, um, for this woman who, you know, hasn't done anything to me. You know, it's, you know, it's and like, these are two of God's precious children that he just loves as much as he loves me. And that just gets me so much sometimes, you know, even the people that drive me nuts, God loves them just as much as he loves me, even if I have a hard time wrapping my brain around that. And so it's my job to show up, you know, in a way that does, you know, like, you know, that reflects that. So I could have done that better. Maybe I'll do better today on that. What could we have done better? There we go. That I could have done better. I could have, 
you know, responded with, you know, something positive or asked people not to send it to me or like there are a million things I could have done better about that. I could have not gone and looked on his Facebook page and taken some pleasure in, you know, in that. Um, I could have turned my thoughts to God. I could have asked God to remove that. I could have I, I could have turned my thoughts to somebody I could be helpful to. I could have called my sponsor. None of those things I did. I really just stepped into, you know, a pettiness that I didn't need to. And then I suffered the consequences of it. Like, and that's the thing, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm self-serving, you know, and I want results and I want to feel the connection to God and I want to feel good. Um, and did it benefit me? No, there's a spiritual price to be paid for every action I take, positive or negative. So I'm either moving closer to God or further from God. I'm either putting things in between that connection or I'm taking things away. And every time I engage in something <clears throat> unprincipled, something that goes against my ideal for myself that, you know, God has given me, you know, there, there's a spiritual price to pay. And again, I'm self-serving. I don't like paying spiritual prices. I only like rewards. So if I only want rewards, then I have to act in a way that's going to produce those. Um, there's other things that I can often do better. Sometimes it's, you know, spending longer in morning meditation. Um, sometimes it's, you know, improving my conscious contact throughout the day. You know, usually it's, I could have called my mom back. Like that's one that I fall short at pretty regularly, being more prompt and responding to texts, you know, some of that stuff. And this, you know, bottom line is, and we'll read about this in a minute, this isn't about beating up on myself. And a lot of people, like that's feedback that I hear from a lot of people on these, on these nightly reviews is that, you know, they get into the morbid reflection and, you know, punishing themselves for falling short. And that's not the point of this. The point of this is just to really take ownership of where I'm at today. I'm not expected to do this perfectly. But if I'm lying to myself about how I showed up, then I can't do better. This is just always about cleaning up the wreckage that I caused today so that I can do better tomorrow. And if I'm being, first of all, if I'm being too hard on myself, then that's not useful because all I'm thinking about is me. Like self-pity is really just such a form of narcissism. Um, you know, real like, oh, I'm the worst. <laughs> and I'm just going to sit here and think about myself and how bad I am for the next eight hours instead of trying to be helpful to somebody else. Or I'm pretending that I did better in my day to day than I really did. And really, this is just about taking stock. It's, you know, really what we learned in step four, but putting it into practice on a daily basis. So were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? You know, and that that's different day to day. You know, this one really seems to depend on, you know, the, the stage is set by the amount of time that I spend in prayer and meditation in the morning. And then, you know, turning my thoughts to others. You know, it, this is a diligence. This is something, you know, like the man on the roof. This, these are actions that I um, have. This is me aligning my will with God. This is the proper use of my will. My willpower gets to come in and say, okay, I'm going to be intentional today. I'm going to make sure that I, you know, call this person and that person and I reach out to that sponsee and man, I haven't seen her at a meeting in a long time. I'm going to, you know, check, check in on her. Those are things that I'm able to do on my willpower, right? Those, those are like, God has given me self-will and that's how he intends me to use it is aligning it with his will for me. Or were we thinking of what we could do for others of what we could pack into the stream of life. So stream of life isn't like I went to the grocery store. It would be, I went to the grocery store and bought a bag of groceries for my elderly neighbor. What did I add to life? What, you know, what did I pack into it? What, what positive things did I contribute 
um, you know, to, 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 you know, to the universe, to the, and to God's kids. And if anybody has questions or comments, just jump in, please. Um, I'll just, you know, talk the whole hour otherwise. But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. And why? Why shouldn't we do that? Because for that would diminish our usefulness to others. You know, and again, it always comes down to that. You know, it always comes down to, like, it blocks me from being able to be helpful. So after making our review, we say this prayer. Anytime it's going to say, ask in God, that's a prayer. So we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So then I write down corrective measures. What do I need to do to fix the stuff that I did today? Again, this isn't about beating myself up. This is about me saying, you know what? Like, I want to do better tomorrow. So what corrective measures can I take, you know? And, and so, and then I write it out. And again, the important thing with this is that this is a prayerful experience. This is a spiritual experience. This is something I'm doing with God. This isn't me just self-knowledging my way through it. This isn't me saying, okay, what do I want to do to fix this tomorrow? This is me saying, God, show me what corrective measures I need to take here, you know, and then taking a minute and seeing if there's inspiration that comes. I also, yeah. Sorry. I have a question and I asked this at the step 10, but I think it's really important because it was said to me a long time ago that if you answer no to each of these questions every night, that you're probably delusional. And so- I would, I would argue with the probably. I would say you are certainly delusional. Yeah. What would you say to someone who is trying to grow their awareness and they keep answering no, but clearly there's something there that they're not, that they're not seeing? What would, what would the advice that you um, would get for that? I think I would just help them look back through their day because again, like I think, well, so here's, so my first sponsor, she gave me this horrible exercise and anybody that was in that position, I would give them the same horrible exercise. And at night, when you are, you know, saying your nightly prayers, ask God to allow others to treat you tomorrow the way that you treated them today. And most likely my sponsor gave me that prayer after I had been telling her about how I just knocked it out of the park today, how great I did and how loving I was and how thoughtful and selfless. She probably was sick of hearing my delusion. And so that night, you know, and for many nights, I got on my knees and I tried to say, God, please let me, please allow others to treat me tomorrow the way that I treated them today. And I couldn't do it. Probably even last night, I surely wouldn't have been able to do it because even if nobody outwardly treated me badly, I don't want anybody sending a screenshot of me to all of their friends and saying mean things about me. You know, that's horrible. Like, you know, so even if like if I'm delusional and I think like, well, I didn't do like I nobody knows that I was mean. Like, you know, in my heart, that's not how I want other people to feel about me, to think about me. And so like that, that really personalizes it because again, at the end of the day, I am self-serving. And if I don't want to be treated like that, then I don't get to treat other people like that. You know, Jennifer HK said on here something so great when you did that interview with her about how, um, you know, she doesn't believe for herself that self, that loving herself started, you know, the, you know there's that thing about like, I can't love other people until I first love myself. And what she said was like, that hasn't been true for her. You know, she couldn't love herself until she learned how to love other people. And that has been so true for me. Like I really learned, um, you know, to love, to see myself as God saw me with like this tender heart and this, you know, love in his eyes. 
through feeling that way about other people, about my sponsees and watching them just stumble and bump up against themselves and try harder and fall again. And, you know, just that kindness in my heart for them, um, you know, like, you know, and for my friends and for my family, being able to have that, um, that love for God's kids has allowed me to have self-love in the end, you know, and the spiritual price I pay for, you know, engaging in, you know, gossip or judgment is that, you know, it takes away from that, you know, ability to be, you know, um, to see myself through God's eyes, you know. I love that exercise, by the way. <laughs> yeah, have fun with it. Making it. <laughs> Thank you. It is brutal because truly at the end of the day, like I, it takes that for me to see just how I showed up, you know. So after, so, we, okay, so we say that prayer. So then we're getting on to on awakening. Um, and so this is the next morning, you know, it's important for me to have my written inventory with me when I do my on awakening because, oh, so I was going to say with the corrective measures, I write underneath that seventh step. So part of my corrective measures is identifying what character defects popped up through my day. Um, and so that's part of my nightly review. What did I see today? You know, pettiness, judgment, gossip, um, manipulation, um, self-reliance is one that's almost always there, you know, so I write out those, those defects of character that showed up in my day. I ask God to take them at night, but also when I'm doing my morning prayer and meditation, now I have those things that have been popping up like, okay, that's, that's what was kicking my butt yesterday. Now I can bring that into prayer and meditation today and ask God to help me with those things. And then it also makes me more away where as I move through my day, when I see those things pop up, if I've asked God in the morning, you know, and if it's objectionable to me, God, please, you know, remove this, this pettiness, please remove this judgment. Then if somebody, hopefully if somebody, somebody sends me a screenshot this morning, it's right there, you know, it's right there on me and it's objectionable. And I, you know, immediately turn to God rather than towards some snarkiness, you know, some self-reliance there. So on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. So I am, I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm thinking about what, what this next day is going to look like. What are the things that I have going on <clears throat> that, are, that are coming? And we consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we say this prayer. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. So, you know, I, I am always having to watch for those things. I'm always having to ask God to take them. Under these conditions, so under the conditions that God has, you know, taken those, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. You know, this whole, this whole exercise, this whole step um, is all about being self-aware, you know, and, you know, and God-centered, but self-aware. This is about us watching like we did in step 10. I can only watch if I know what I'm looking for, you know, and I know what I'm looking for through review. And so it's through these nightly reviews and these mornings um, that I know what to look for. And then in, in the course of the day, I'm, I'm awake to it. This is about being awakened, having our spirit awakened and about staying awake. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. I am one of the most indecisive people. So this paragraph really speaks to me. We may not be able to determine which course to take. So if I'm thinking about my day and I'm like, oh, like I, I've got these two things that I really need to do, but they conflict. I can't, 
you know, like that can just eat, like that can eat up so much of my mental time. Like, what, what do I do? What do I do? This is giving me tools here. We, here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought or a decision. So this isn't self-reliance. This is me aligning my will with God's. God, show me what to do here. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. So th this, these are huge promises here for somebody like me who wants to do God's will, but I am so um, wrapped up in self most of the time and I'm so driven by things that feel good and what I want and I want it to look a certain way and I'm convinced that it has to be this. Th these are showing me like, relax, At, say the prayer, relax, take it easy. You're going to know, you'll know what to do. You know, I, I think I've shared in here before when, um, when things were really bad with my now ex-husband and we were in the same house and <clears throat> a whole bunch of stuff had been brought to light. I found out about, about a bunch of dishonesty. I thought that I was supposed to end the marriage. I believed that, that, you know, that God would want me to leave. I believed that it was the right thing, but I didn't feel that direction from God. And I don't know, you know, and, and I knew, again, I knew it was a big enough thing and it was going to affect my kids. It was going to change my whole life. It was going to affect my finances, all of these things that were really threatening. And I knew that I didn't want to make this decision based on myself. I knew that it had to be a God-given decision. And so over and over again, this is what I had to do. I had to relax. I had to not struggle. I had to trust that I was going to know um, the right thing to do when it was the right time to do it. And I just had to believe that God was telling me, not yet, not yet, wait, wait. And when the time was right, I was so completely sure in myself, there was no question that, the, that it was the right time and it was the right thing to do, that God um, wanted me out of that marriage. And it's proven to be true. You know, and, and so again, it, it needed to come from God. Even though the result was the same, I needed to know that it wasn't me making a self, um, you know, a, a self-reliant decision. Um, okay, so what used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration be gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. And the thing that's hard is that, you know, God's voice in my head sounds just like my voice. You know, um, there, if, and, and, you know, I've heard this said, but like if when God spoke to me, it was in that like God voice that I imagined, it would be so much easier because I'd be like, oh, that's God. That's God's will. But instead, that voice sounds just like my voice. And so, so there are times that, like, I remember being convinced in treatment that it was God's will for me to date this dude named Chad. It was not God's will. That was my will. You know, but it sounded just like I imagined God would sound. Chloe, this is a great idea. You're going to feel so much better because he thinks you're cute. So, you know, we make mistakes. We screw it up. And as long as we're willing to make it right, we, you know, it just becomes good, sober experience that we get to share with other people later. You know, Chad has helped a lot of people since. Thanks, Chad. So, you know, we're, we're doing our best to tap into what God wants for us. And, you know, and there's just... There's no way to, to get to the other side of it except through 
you know, just working at it and being diligent and, you know, continuing to do our best with it. So we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer. So here we've got another prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. And I've always loved that the word that the phrase next step is in this. I don't know. Like it's just, I don't know if it was just a happy accident, but I love it. So what our next step is to be that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask, so another prayer, especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that. And it doesn't work, you can easily say why. So that gives us such good, um, such, such great prayers to start our day. You know, God, here's my intention. Here's what I'm giving you. Please, you know, help me make it through the day. Help me think of others. Help me, you know, be your servant. Whatever, whatever we add to that. But this is about getting in that proper mindset. And again, it's like, it's, please help me. You know, please protect me from screwing everything up like I am prone to do and I'm self-reliant. This is about learning to be God-reliant, you know, throughout our day. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination, which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers, which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. You know, and I think that's great, you know, again, because I was just such an arguer about that. But I do think you know, it is important that, you know, if we have strong religious beliefs or even media, or even if we have strong anti-religious beliefs, we keep those to ourselves. You know, um, this is about being helpful. And if I have a strong belief or a belief one way or another, that's going to get in the way of me being able to be helpful to others. So I keep that to myself. It's, you know, it's unimportant. So then it's going to give us some direction to take us from between our, you know, our morning review and, you know, what's going to be our nightly review at the end of the day. So here, here's our instructions here. As we go through the day, we pause. This pause is God given. Like this is one of the, I think this is one of the best tools and promises that has come true for me is this pause. I have paused and still done the wrong thing at times. I was sharing about this the other day. And I think I may have shared this in here the last time on step 10, you know, I shot back a super nasty email to that ex-husband a couple of months ago. He, he wrote a nasty one to me. Um, I shot one and I had that pause, that God-given pause. You don't have to hit send. You don't have to hit send. And I said, you know what? I'm hitting send. And I did. And then Gmail gives you a couple of seconds where you can undo it. I didn't undo it. You know, God does not take away our self-will. We are still able to make all of the same terrible decisions we've always made. And then there's that spiritual price to pay. And I hate how that feels. So then God also gives us a whole bunch of tools to clean that up, which we've learned in our ninth step, right? So we get to, or I get to be humbled. I get to go to the people that I like the least and the people that I'm most resist admitting that I'm wrong and apologizing and I get to be humbled and right-sized over and over again so that hopefully the next time I receive an email like that, 
you know, that pause that I listened to that pause, you know, that, that pause is an action, you know, that is, that's a super, you know, I've never been able to have a choice in what I did. It was, you know, I was powerless over my poor behavior. I'm not powerless anymore. I still can choose to be a jerk, but that's my choice. You know, God has also given me the power to be someone different. And, you know, then I get the choice to turn towards God or turn towards self. Okay, so as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and say this prayer. We ask for the right thought or action. God, what should I do? What should I, what should I think here? How should I feel? What, what, what do you want from me? Help me. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. And that's, you know, circling us back to the third step, right? Where we were running the show. We were stepping on toes. We are trying to arrange the lights, the scenery, the players, because I'm convinced that I can only be okay if you guys do what I think that you're supposed to do. So humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. God, thy will be done. Please take this. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. You know, any of these bigs, ups and downs. You know, I, I hate being bored. I hate it. It makes me insane. I will make terrible decisions when in boredom. What I need to avoid is living in that excitement or that, you know, self-hatred, self-pity, depression. Like, I like those extremes. And, you know, this is really about being able to find the middle and being okay with it. And not equating lack of drama with, with boredom. Like, I, when, when I feel serenity, I'm like, oh, is that boredom? No, it's okay. You're right. It's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, create drama just to change the way you feel. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily. For we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. Do you guys remember how exhausting it was when, at least for me, I would have all of these different like, you know, like lies going. And so I was trying to remember what I told each person or people that I was avoiding because they were mad at me or, you know, it's like I was trying to keep all of these things going so that everybody would do what I needed them to do. Like, it is exhausting. At the end of the day, I am worn out. When I'm not doing that, I generally go to bed feeling peaceful, but not wiped out. It works. It really does. That's a big promise there. <clears throat> we alcoholics are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. But this is not all. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. 10 and 11 are such daily disciplines because I am undisciplined. I want to just run the show. I become convinced that I can only wrest happiness and satisfaction out of this life if I manage well. And I just rely on um, my own willpower aligned with my own self and my own you know, selfish needs and delusion. And I get what I've always gotten. And so this is really about using these disciplines so that I can get something different. You guys have any questions for me? I have a question. <laughs> How do you know you're in self-reliance or God-reliance? Um, I mean, I would say like a simple answer is just how I feel inside. You know, when I'm self-reliant, there's usually quite a bit of fear, anxiety, like my mind is busy. You know, like my, one of my favorite things to do is play that game. Okay. If she says this, then I'm going to say that back. You know, it's like, how can I get her to say this so I can say that back? Those kinds of things, it, you know, it comes down to like, am I being kind? Do I want what's, you know, do I, do I want good things for other people? 
you know, I, I would say that, you know, that's when I'm having to work hard, um, that's usually me and self-reliance. When I have, you know, I think of it like my hands closed or my hands opened. My hands closed is me trying to like, you know, will things, me trying to control things, me trying to force things to look a certain way. When I'm in that place of surrender, where I'm like, okay, God, I'm along for the ride. It's just such a different feeling internally. Like, you know, I talk about like really my concept of God is being in a current, like being in a stream where I don't know where it's going. You know, it's like I've tapped into this energy, this power, this um, relationship with something bigger and my hands are open. I'm along for the ride and I'm saying, okay, God, show me, show me what's next. Show me where you want me. And it usually involves answering the phone when somebody calls me, you know, um, it involves being on time for the commitments I've made. Um, it involves saying yes to things that I don't want to say yes to. You know, that's God reliance. It's trusting that it's going to be okay, even if it feels like I am surely going to die. And not just die quietly, but die publicly and so embarrassingly. And I'm going to be remembered for all of the most horrible things that I don't want to be remembered for. You know, it's like doing it anyway. So I guess that's my best, uh, I guess, thoughts around that. Thank you. Does anybody else have any questions? I have a question. Oh, go ahead, Crystal. Hi, Chloe. Is a nightly review supposed to be hard? Like, I know sometimes we can be delusional and, and like, I feel like sometimes I'm thinking too much about what, what I'm doing wrong or what I'm not doing enough. Is it, is it supposed to be that way? You know, I, I, I would say, you know, it sure can be. If I'm not doing it regularly, it's a lot harder because I'm not awake during my day. So I'm not really paying attention. And so then when I try to do my review at night, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I think I was okay. Also, like when I was a stay-at-home mom, my nightly reviews were pretty slim. You know, I thought I was really killing it at life and that I had really like graduated to this place of spiritual, like, you know, that I like had arrived and I was sitting on my mountain. It was just that I didn't see anybody all day, you know, except for my little children. And so for the most part, very little was threatened within me. You know, it's like very little was hurt, threatened or interfered with. Once I got back out into the stream of life, man, all of those old insecurities and, you know, character defects and you know, um, all of that self-will was still there. I just wasn't as aware of it. So the I find that the more involved in life I am, the longer my nightly review is at night. The more people I see, the more opportunities I have to be, you know, judgmental and petty and selfish. And, you know, but if I have a quiet Sunday where I'm just in my sweatpants with a cup of coffee, then my nightly is going to be, you know, pretty, pretty minimal. So I think Thank it just you. gets easier the longer you do it, maybe. No, that makes total sense. Thank you. It's more, um, I, I don't have a lot going on in my life right now. So it's like, just wait, life will challenge you. <laughs> Thank yes. you. And every day we're different. Like I'm a different person every single day. Me as a married woman looked very different than me as somebody dating in my forties. Dude, I thought that I was like pretty okay. I am not okay. Like, I am so much more um, insecure and fear-based than I could have known in a marriage of 26 years. You know, um, every day we are different people and that's okay. Like in new circumstances, you change jobs, you're going to feel insecure. You're going to feel stupid. You're going to feel like everybody thinks that you're not doing good. You're going to think that everybody um, is smarter than you. 
you know, it's like, um, you know, anytime we learn something new, anytime we, you know, start a new relationship, you know, a friendship, we are put in positions to see different weaknesses within ourselves. We have so much room for growth always. But when I get in these ruts, when I get into these routines where I'm not being challenged, I'm not being, you know, again, things aren't being hurt, threatened, or interfered with, I think I'm killing it when really I'm just comfortable. Thank you so much. Anyone else? All right. As always, super solid, Chloe. I love you. I have a question. Oh, go ahead, Kristen. Sorry. Okay, so talking about nightly reviews, is it true that all throughout our day, if we are 10-stepping, that our nightly reviews shouldn't be as extreme because we've been going throughout our day? I mean, I, yes, I would say that, you know, the more, the more diligent we are in our, in our, in our conscious contact, but I would say like, even if I'm 10 stepping things during the day, I'm still going to put it down on my nightly, you know, it still goes on there. Even if I've cleaned it up, even if I've, um, you know, taken it to God. And even if I'm sort of, even if I'm over it, if, if it comes up in my mind, I put it down, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if I'm, if I'm doing, you know, a perfect job of, tent stepping, then um, I'm going to be way more free at the end, you know, when, when I, when I do my nightly. And so for sure, you're right. But I, I have not arrived at that place yet. Some days I'm better than others, you know, but this is such a good discipline so that, you know, on the days that I fall short, you know, I, I do have this place to really look back and objectively review. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I just know that you're right all throughout the day, like how selfish, self-centered, dishonest, afraid I really am. And I like putting my 10 steps on the nightly review. I think that makes, makes sense. So, yeah. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. All right. Well, everybody have a great day. If anybody's thinking about what meeting they should attend, I highly encourage you to attend the 10 o'clock meeting where Mandy is chairing. So, y'all have a wonderful day. Thanks, Thanks for coming. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Chloe. That was great. Thank you. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenhouse.org.